Hello, and welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. My name is Suzanne Spradley, and I'm here with my colleague, Chase Cannon, and we are members of the NFP Benefits Compliance team. And we'd like to bring to you different topics that are in the news or having to do with healthcare reform to, to break it down and make it easier for you to understand. So today we're going to tackle a topic that's been lurking around for years and it keeps coming up by different names. Uh, we we find different companies, different vendors bringing them to the attention of our clients and it has a big question mark over whether they're valid. The general idea is um, either using a wellness program or other arrangement to attempt to provide some type of huge employment tax savings for the employer and the employee. So Chase, tell us a little bit more about these types of programs. Okay. So they're a little bit hard to explain. So I'm going to start off by giving some of the claims from marketing materials that promote these types of arrangements. I think that will help illustrate what we're talking about and it might ring true to someone who's listening right now. Uh, But these are some quotes from these marketing materials. Your company will save approximately $400 per year in FICA savings per employee. Uh, Your employee's take-home pay will increase while paying less taxes. Um, Another one is your employees will receive tax-free reimbursement for unreimbursed medical expenses. As a bookkeeping function, the entire program is facilitated through the employer's payroll system. And the last one here, the plan creates a 100% self-funded employee welfare benefit plan, which reimburses the employee for unpaid medical expenses. So you can see some grand claims there for savings, uh, particularly on uh, taxes. It sounds like a good gig if you can find it, but unfortunately, these types of plans or arrangements have many flaws, which we'll talk about. So I will say that Chase is particularly um, a good person to speak about this subject because he worked for the IRS while in D.C. So Chase, tell us you know, some of the names that these programs go by. Yeah, and that's kind of the fun part as we keep seeing these come up. They always have new names and different descriptions, but they usually come back to the same thing. Um, Here are some of the ones that we've heard. The Premier 105 plan, the Classic 105, uh, a 105 reimbursement plan, uh, Healthcare to You program, and my personal favorite is the Freedom Plan, (laughs) because what spells freedom more than paying less tax, right? Right. So tell us, just dig into it a little bit. Explain how these programs are generally set up to work. Yeah. So I'll say up front that these designs are a bit convoluted, uh, but the basic iteration we've seen goes like this. Uh, First, the employer or a vendor or administrator on their behalf offers a type of wellness program. It usually involves simple activities like educational programs, a health risk assessment, biometric screening, uh, maybe some general coaching on health and exercise or or similar activities. Uh, The employer will usually charge the employees to participate in the wellness program. And usually this is a per paycheck fee and the employer usually allows the employee to pay that fee on a pre-tax basis through the employer's cafeteria plan. And that's where some of this tax savings uh, starts to come from. Well, so far, it doesn't sound too bad. So, I I mean, uh, maybe the employee doesn't want to participate in a wellness program or pay the fee, but it's generally okay to pay a fee on a pretext basis, at least for for, um, uh, getting some medical services, correct? That's right. So, so far, we're probably okay. Generally speaking, an employee can pay a premium or other fee relating to medical plan coverage, and a wellness program will generally, generally fall into that category. 
So there's nothing wrong with just charging that fee pre-tax. It's generally an allowable expense that can be paid pre-tax through salary reductions in a section 125 or, or cafeteria plan, as it's sometimes called. That pre-tax payment is where all of the purported tax savings comes from because it's pre-tax. That means there's no employment tax paid on the amounts. So as a quick example, if I make $1,000 in September here and my employer withholds $100 for the wellness program coverage on a pre-tax basis, I'm only paying income and employment taxes on $900. So that means I don't pay federal income tax or FICA or FUDA are those employment taxes on my $100 of income. So it's good for the employer and the employee, but for those who aren't um, engaged in dealing with taxes or payroll, explain FICA and FUDA. Right. So FICA stands for Federal Insurance Contributions Act. Those are Social Security and Medicare taxes. FUDA stands for Federal Unemployment Tax Act. And like it says, that's for federal unemployment taxes. Uh, so both the employee and the employer realize FICA and FUDA uh, tax savings, and they may save under state employment uh, unemployment insurance. Uh, so while saving on $100 may not seem like much, think about a small amount, a lot of uh, times a lot of employees. So it's like one of my favorite movies, Office Space, where he gives this example of you take a penny from the tray or just fractions of a penny, but we do it from a much bigger tray and we do it a couple of thousand times. Eventually it becomes big money, in, in this case, big tax savings. So all of that seems fine. Uh, the employee then though, getting back to the wellness program here, uh, the employee is then asked or required to participate in the wellness program by doing some activity, um, such as taking that biometric screening, walking a mile a day or sitting in on an ed educational video, whatever that activity is, it's completed. Again, that's not necessarily prohibited. There are plenty of wellness programs out there and participating in the wellness program is just fine. While there's other laws we won't get into on this uh, podcast like HIPAA, the ADA, GINA, ERISA, those all apply to wellness programs, but the, the wellness program itself is fine. It's really the next part of the arrangement where issues arise and that's where as a reward for participating in the wellness program, the employer gives the employee a cash payment. And that cash payment has two things going on uh, that I want to break down. First, the cash, cash payment is very close to the amount that the employee paid pre-tax to participate in the program. So I mentioned $100 in my early, earlier example. I pay $100 a month to participate in this uh, arrangement or wellness program. The cash reward payment I get back is either $100 or very close to $100. The vendor sometimes retains a small fee like $5 to $10 to operate or administer the wellness program. Uh, but the idea is that as an employee, I get back or nearly get back the entire amount I paid pre-tax through the salary reductions. So I feel like I'm being made whole as an employee, which feels good as an employee. But from a taxation perspective, it feels a bit fishy. I'm getting money back that I had previously given up pre-tax in order to participate. Second though, and more importantly, the program claims that that $100 or close to $100 payment I'm getting back is not a taxable payment. In other words, I get it back and I don't have to pay taxes on that amount. That sounds like double dipping. Right. That's exactly where this is headed. Uh, the reason that the program claims that it's not taxable is because they say it's a reimbursement for medical care, 
and therefore it's excludable from gross income. And they rely on Section 105 of the Internal Revenue Code, um, which does have a exclusion for reimbursements or payments for medical care. But that's where you get this Section 105, this classic 105, this number 105 constantly entering the discussion and even seen in the titles of these types of programs. So let me so let me understand this. So this uh, IRC Section 105 does allow an employer to pay or reimburse an employee's medical expenses. So what's uh, explain further what's wrong with this idea? Right. That's why 105 is there overall. It's to allow an employer to reimburse or directly pay like straight to the provider um, expenses related to medical claims. And 105 does say that that reimbursement or payment is not included in an employee's gross income. But there are three things that have to be true for that exclusion to apply. First, the medical expense must actually be for medical expenses. It must be for medical care. You hear that term medical care. Sometimes you'll hear the, the number 213. That's the Internal Revenue Code section that defines what it means to be medical care. Some wellness program activities, such as fitness programs, educational materials, are not really medical care. It's not a doctor or a medical professional providing advice or otherwise treating an illness. Um, so it's not medical care in some instances. Second, the medical expense must actually be incurred and substantiated. The employee has to come out of pocket for something, and there needs to be a receipt or some proof that the employee actually paid or must pay an expense. I think this is where this they, most of these programs are getting hung up. That's exactly right. You go and take a biometric screening, that's already covered. I didn't have to come out of pay, uh, pocket. I didn't pay a deductible or cost sharing or a copayment or anything with that. And so I haven't really come out of pocket, so um, I haven't met this uh, prong of the test that uh, that Section 105 is requiring. Third, the employee cannot have been reimbursed through a different source or paid the expense on a pre-tax basis. In other words, the reimbursement or payment can't result in what you referred to earlier as a double dip, right? The, the effect there, the employee is getting twice the tax benefits that he or she is entitled to. So it's really those second and third items that, uh, or prongs there that are the biggest problem for these arrangements. The employee hasn't really incurred an expense for which they can be reimbursed or paid. Instead, the employee has just taken a, a biometric screening, a health risk ass assessment, or sat in on an educational webinar, all provided by the wellness program, and nothing came out of pocket other than that pre-tax amount they paid for the coverage. Got it. Okay. So the basic iteration of the program that we've seen are that the employer takes a pre-tax deduction of some amount, which means significant employment tax savings for the employee and the employer. The employee then participates in some type of wellness program, and then the employer reimburses the employee on a tax-free basis, some amount close to the amount that they took out pre-tax. Right. So they're trying to sort this kind of a circular that's right. idea. So they take out money, they give it back. Um, what are some other iterations of this program that you've seen? Yeah, same idea, but with a few t twists. And like I mentioned up front, these get quite convoluted and are hard to explain on a podcast. But um, a couple of iterations that we've seen, one purported to loan the employee the amount, the amount of the pre-tax deduction through a life insurance policy on the employee, and then the loan wouldn't be payable until the death of the employee. So trying to mix in life insurance policies and presumably using the cash value of the life insurance policy to help the employee cover the cost. 
Another we saw was using a nonprofit organization to loan the money back to the employee. And then we've seen different iterations on those. So you can see promoters coming up with new ideas, trying to work around the issues. Sometimes the promoters don't really understand the laws. They think they understand part of it. And maybe they do. For example, they understand the idea that you can pay you know, this premium or this fee for the wellness program through the Section 125 plan, but maybe they don't understand that Section 105 payment going back. So I know a lot of the promoters that we've seen also, we ask when we when we see these different programs, we go to them and we say, show us your legal opinion that says this is valid. Can you speak to that? Yeah, that's one thing that's been tripping up employers as well, making them think that these arrangements are legit. Uh, but the legal opinions um, either don't directly address the taxation issue under under 105 or they've been given, and we'll talk about this at the end of the podcast on one of these cases, um, we've seen misinformation given to the law firm itself. They didn't receive the full um, facts on what, how these arrangements were being set up. And so the legal opinion is faulty uh, uh, in a way. And prominent a prominent law firm, at least, was drug into this. So right. It's, One of them uh, was. And that's another point. Some of these law firm opinions are not prominent law firms. Some of the times they don't understand the complexities of the tax law. Their specialty is in employee benefits, and they just don't fully grasp the concepts that are um, pushing the tax savings here. So I know the IRS weighed in on this a, a, a year or two back. Tell, talk to us about that. Yeah, they have, and and not favorably. So back in 2016, the IRS Office of Chief Counsel published a memorandum. Uh, the memo addressed three different scenarios, but all were very similar. Basically, in the scenarios, the employer provides all employees, uh, regardless of en enrollment and other comprehensive health coverage, they provide all employees with certain benefits under a wellness program that provides health screenings and other benefits, so very similar to what we've been talking about. The difference in the scenarios is the payment for the wellness program and the rewards coming out of the program. In scenario one, the employer pays all of the uh, all of the fee, and the reward is just a cash reward. In scenario two, the employees pay for at least a portion of the program through the Section 125 plan, and the reward is a cash reward. In scenario three, the employees pay a portion through the Section 125 plan, but the reward could be cash or a reimbursement of all or a portion of the employee's contribution. So in that third scenario, we're really getting very close to what we've talked about. Um, and in all three scenarios, the IRS says the cash reward or reimbursement is taxable. It's considered wages, and therefore it's included in the employee's gross income for purposes of federal income tax withholding and federal employment tax withholding. So this was back in 2016. You'd think, uh, we would have stemmed some of these promoters. We would stop seeing this, but it doesn't appear to have done that. Um, some of the legal opinions we've seen have tried to differentiate themselves from how these wellness programs were laid out by the IRS, uh, but we still don't think any of them are uh, going to get past IRS scrutiny. Right. And the IRS is, doesn't take too kindly to uh, not uh, collecting taxes when they when they should be collected. They really want to keep that revenue uh, coming in the door. So That's right. talk about actual enforcement. So they've, they've put out guidance, but then have they come back and actually had any enforcement actions against any of these programs? Yes. So just this weekend, happy Labor Day, 
uh, we saw a federal indictment on one of the programs. And this is all public now out there, so we can say the names. This is the classic 105 arrangement. Uh, this program was promoted by two folks out of Louisiana. And over the weekend, the district attorney for the Eastern District of Louisiana filed a 34-count indictment relating to the Classic 105 arrangement. Oh, my goodness. And the total financial group is the named company. That was basically the company formed by these two individuals to sell the Classic 105 plan. So just to give a little bit of background on that, I think it's important to hear uh, what the DA was saying in this case. Uh, the defendants were charged by a federal grand jury with conspiracy to defraud the United States and to make false statements and representations in connection with a MIWA, that's a multiple employer welfare arrangement. We've talked about those before, um, specifically on our control group discussion a few weeks ago. Uh, but it's in this case, it's an interesting thought. Apparently, um, that's how Total Financial Group was selling it. And I think the government views it as a, a MIWA as well. One, th one reason we think that is because they never separated out their plans on a per employer basis. The company just opened up one bank account. Actually, I think there were two bank accounts, um, but they poured all the fees and contributions from employees and employers into that account. There were no planned documents. So we're getting into ERISA issues here, uh, but nothing that really separated them out as separate plans. So that was another consideration that we hadn't really thought about too right. much. Uh, mm -hmm. We were focused on the tax part, uh, but they have formed an unintentional MIWA, or maybe it was intentional, but not um, not following all the rules that might apply to a MIWA. Several other things in the indictment uh, charges included aiding and assisting in the preparation of false tax returns, conspiracy to commit and actual wire fraud, conspiracy to commit money laundering and money laundering. Um, a quick description of in the indictment of the classic 105 basically says it was marketed to employers as supplemental benefits plan as a way for their employees to reimburse for medical expenses such as co-payments and deductibles. The Classic 105 claimed to be uh, comprised of several components, and this is basically what we described earlier, a tax-exempt contribution of between $1,000 and $1,600 per month made by an employee, which reduced the employee's taxable income, a loan from a lender back to the employee to make up for the contribution, an insurance policy payable to the lender at the employee's death to repay the loan, and fees paid by the employee and the employer directly to Total Financial Group. Very similar to other programs that are out there today. That's exactly right. Um, in total, Total Financial took in not less than at least $21 million in fees from the employer clients and employee participants. In the indictment itself, it lists out several different employer and employees um, not naming any of them, but um, I think the, the most was $450,000 from one employer wow. um, in fees. So you can see employers getting caught up in this. They never obtained a single loan or insurance policy for the Classic 105 program and participants never made any actual contributions. Rather, total financial arranged for the contribution, loan, and insurance policy to appear as a series of paper transactions that in effect did nothing more than reduce participants' taxable wages and employers FICA payments improperly. Um, they caused at least 20 million in federal FICA taxes to be underpaid, as well as a significant amount of personal income taxes, amounts for which the employer clients 
and employee participants are individually responsible. Um, so lots of problems here. Yeah. And I would say as a, as something to think about for the employers out there, um, your employees that are caught up in this will eventually still have to pay those taxes. So I think it will create certainly, um, some uh, discourse with your employee population that has to go back and pay taxes plus penalties on anything caught up into this. Right. So the IRS is involved in this case. Um, and so they will, I'm imagining going to go back on some of that. They've already gone back and uh, seized a bunch of the property of these two individuals. Um, there's a list of all the uh, things that they bought with their $21 million of income minus whatever they had to pay out for under the plan. But I think they've made away with a lot of stuff here, boats, cars, three residences, about 165 acres total. And this is just what's listed in the indictment. Wow. So, um, yeah, I think that really shows that the um, the government, and in this case, it's a criminal case, right? And the IRS definitely out there interested in, um, in enforcing this. That is uh, some crazy stuff, but it's good to see that there's some actual enforcement when we try to have um, clients take heed of some of these programs, pointing out the challenges with them. Um, it's nice to see that there's actual enforcement taking place to try to get some of these bad actors um, out of the marketplace. Right. So any takeaways we can, we can uh, take from this story? Yeah, I think if, you, if you're an employer, you start seeing or hearing about one of these programs that can just save you um, a, a great amount of money in employment taxes and the arrangement relates to some type of wellness program or other arrangement where um, you're getting a tax savings through a purported benefit plan. And it sounds too good to be true. I think that's the general rule we go by. It probably is too good to be true. In this case, for these two individuals who were promoting this, they probably thought this is too good to be true, all this money we're making. Um, so I think that's the, the, the main takeaway. If you hear about something that purports to be incredible with employment tax savings, um, it's probably not legit. Thank you, Chase. This is really interesting and I appreciate you breaking this down. And we, we do keep seeing these uh, different iterations come up. So I hope that uh, the enforcement action here is a good learning experience for everyone and that they take heed next time something does sound too good to be true. Right. So with that, we will call it a wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you, Chase. Thanks for joining us.